0: Hello, Velo News listeners, this is Dan Cavallari, tech editor at Velo News, coming at you with the very final podcast episode of 2020. I think we can all agree it's been a very easy, wonderful, uh, pain-free year for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am joined today by uh, my my colleague, Ben Delaney. Ben, how's it going?
1: Oh, going just fine. I was about to bust into Four Old Lang Syne, but I will spare you, <laughs> dear listeners, from that yeah. audio... Uh, Nightmare.
0: We could do a duet. It'd be wonderful.
1: 2020's been bad enough without Dan and Ben singing at you yeah. when you're just trying to listen about
0: gear stuff. You're, you're welcome, world. We'll save you from that. Uh, ben, you know, at the end of end of the year, it's always nice to kind of look back. And so today, uh, we're going to go over not only you know the big tech stories of 2020, but also talk a little bit about our favorite bits of gear that that really helped us uh enjoy the sport just a little bit more this year um and i think this will be an interesting list just given the special circumstances that 2020 has presented us with um so we'll get to that in in a little while um but first let's let's just sort of talk about what defined 2020 in terms of big tech stories and advancements and things like that um and you know I, I, to me the biggest i man I've, i have i have spent so much time this year <laughs> testing wheels. Uh, yes,
1: yeah, we had a, a mighty, mighty pile of carbon.
0: Oh, it's just, it's it's, it's a little, it's a lot absurd, let's be honest, <laughs> how many wheels I have. Um, but, you know, one of the interesting things about it is every time I get a pair of wheels in, I have to set them up. I put tubes on them, set them up tubeless and, and things like that. Uh, and I think that kind of brings us to to me, what what has been one of the bigger stories of 2020, which is uh, tubeless. At the same time that tubeless was sort of coming into its own and being accepted by pros, we saw sort of a step in a, in a backward direction, back to tubes. Uh, so both systems had a pretty good year. Those
1: in Morgan Hill may I argue that's a, it's a step forward.
0: Yes, a Daniel, step, a step back to it's get forward.
1: <laughs> back, back to the future. Yeah, clinchers won the stage of the Tour de France.
0: Yeah. Uh, you wrote about that Ben so tell me tell me a little bit about that uh what who who won why why was it a big deal
1: Yeah Julian Alaphilippe. Philippe if, if I had my act together which I don't I would ramble off the stage number but yeah won one stage on specialized turbo you know the cotton casings mm-hmm. with their you know distinctive tan sidewalls that are back in vogue Yeah um, but yeah for years and years clinchers were what we punters rode, and tubulars was were what pros rode. You know, we saw clinchers in the last few years make some gains, uh, or, or show up at the world tour level for time trialists uh, because of those elusive marginal gains in aerodynamics and also in rolling resistance. But but this was the first year uh, in decades that a clincher had won a state, a road stage. Right of the tour de france so yeah that was major and and probably a nice little bit of justification for those of us who never left like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah we were right all the time the whole time well it's just easy you know yeah. like that's
1: yeah 2020 is the a year of tires yeah. and and we like one thing you and i argue about and one thing i know my knucklehead friends and i argue about is like Yes, we want things that are the fastest so we can look at a chart on our computer and be like, oh, yes, we're getting one up on Frank here. But we also just don't want to deal with the hassle. Right. And so what's the least – we know nice, expensive fast tires are good and fast. Mm -hmm. But I think for a lot of folks, it's what's going to make my daily life the most enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I think for you, it's – yeah, tubeless is that, right?
0: Yep, for sure. For sure.
1: Can we – to say at this point, man has not had a tubeless flat in 2020.
0: I have not, not a single flat in 2020 on tubeless tires.
1: Just knock on wood, we still got a few days left.
0: <laughs> I'll get, him, maybe get a flat on yeah. a trainer or something now,
1: yeah. And I'm in the camp of, yeah, tubeless is better than clinchers until it's not right for little pinpricks like the bloody goat heads that are at the bane of every cyclist's existence out in my home state of New Mexico in this time of year. Yeah, it's a godsend having sealant, to right. Patch those up before. You're bottoming out on rim, but for bigger tears that do require you to boot the tire, mm-hmm. then you've got a tire full of pigeon poop, and it's all over your frame, and it's all over the face of the guy who was or gal, gal who was riding behind you, and yeah, you've yeah. still got to put a tube in. So, right,
0: yeah, I, and I, I think uh, Jeff Schneider from KDEX made a good point when I had him on the podcast was that you know it's entirely possible that I did have a flat. On a tubeless tire this year, or at least a puncture, but it's just it's just sealed. And to me, that's that's worth it to not have to stop, changing you know, and all that. Yes, Um, I guess I was defining
1: flat is like stopped by the side of the road with sad trombones playing
0: behind you. And those sad trombones play behind me every time I ride. (laughs) Um, But I have had a few uh, flats with tubes this year. In fact, I had quite a few uh, to be to be frank. Um, And that, if if anything, I mean that just sort of. Punctuated to me that you know tubeless, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, you know punctuated to me that you know for me is the way to go. So which and, and you know there was also new tube options. You know I think we saw Tubalito a few years ago, kind of pop up, and now we've seen yep. uh, Schwalbe with their Aerothan, Aerothan uh, yes. tube. So you know even the tube is evolving, which yep. really to me begs the question: Are tubulars dead? Yes. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, and I wrote that in an article about what I learned about tubeless or excuse me, about wheels in 2020. That's one of the things I bring up. I think tubulars, even, you know, they're still being used among the pros and for good reason. But I think even their days in the pro peloton are, are numbered. Yes. You agree? I, I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the, we'll probably see it for a couple more years. But. Yeah.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: But maybe it, it's just me to seeing what I want to see. It's like when my wife will see a, a classic old cruiser at a yard sale. Oh, I love that! And I just see like oh, the, yeah. like <laughs> rotted out tubulars, glutes. No, 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 we could get there's perfectly good modern solutions. Yeah. You can yeah. get that aesthetic in a bike that weighs a quarter of that yeah. and tires that aren't going to have me cursing like I've got Tourettes in the garage. Yep,
0: Light it up. So that's my that's away. my bias. Again,
1: I'm just looking for the easy way here. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So I mean, what, we're all about the easy way out.
1: What are the, what other big stories that we see, Dan, big tech stories in 2020?
0: Well, you know, one of them I would, I would say is, is probably at this point still vapors and rumors, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, we fake saw, news. Fa- yeah. Maybe possibly, the big news maybe. of
1: 2020 was fake. Fake
0: news. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we saw whispers that Shimano's, uh, Pat has filed patents for not a- just wh-
1: whispers. We saw patents. We saw, yeah, we saw them with our very patents. own eyes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, for wireless, uh, 12 speed. Yes. Uh, and so it's likely that we will see that in the near future. Uh, when will we see it? Who knows. What form will it take? We don't know that either. But uh, the patents are curious because they list several uh, different varieties of uh, systems that Shimano might go with, all the way from you know a full wireless system to a system that uh, may have a, a, a central battery uh, mm-hmm. that does still have wires connecting to to the derailleurs uh we we just don't know what form it's going to take but it certainly seems like Shimano is seeing the success of SRAM's uh eTap AXIS system and saying okay we need to take that leap uh and even Campagnolo has made the the gearing leap to uh to a wider range uh cassette sure. so Shimano you know never rushes into anything and and you know what we always say is Shimano's never going to be the first but they they may always be they very often are the best uh, yes. So, what do you what do you think? Are we going to see a full wireless system, or do you think there'll be st- still some wires involved?
1: I bet there'll still be some wires involved. One thing to note about patents is that just because a patent has been filed, giving that company the legal right to sell that product, it doesn't necessarily mean it will ever see the light of day. You know, right. often patents are filed uh, as a defensive measure mm-hmm. against other competitors coming out with something. Um,
0: and Shimano is pretty adept at the. Patent game. They, yes, uh, uh, the yes. Mountains of patents. <laughs> yes. So,
1: so you can't just say because we saw something in a patent that's going to be a product. Right. However, <laughs> it, it does seem clear that twelve-speed wireless from Shimano in a road group is is happening. It's right. just the, the exact details there. Mm-hmm. Um, it. You and I were talking about. It, it seems likely that you know a single battery somewhere tucked in the frame that connects. To the two derailleurs, uh, could be likely. Yeah. Within with just the, the wireless transmission uh, from the derailers to the shifters. Right. Right. Uh, so you're just got a single battery charge. That's again speculation, but I believe that that, that was one of the options listed in the
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the patents. One thing I don't recall saying is um, what that twelfth cog would do to the hub, if anything. You know, with Shram, you know, you've got to – it's not just – again, I'm just looking for the easy way here, Dan. It's not a matter of like sliding one cassette off a set of wheels you already have, sliding on another one. You've got to change the whole hub because they went from the smallest tooth being an 11 down to a 10, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is pretty sweet. Yep. Um, well, Not getting into any Leonard in uh, minutiae of uh, added friction due to a tighter wrapped chain. But right, right. just for garage mechanics, is this – do you think 12 speed will mean – I've got to uh, fool around with a different free hub to get a smaller cassette.
0: Yeah, but I think it already exists. Uh, so, you know, on the mountain bike side, uh, you know... Ah, uh, yes, mountain bikes. Yes, I've heard of these they, things. they still exist, yes. <laughs> uh, on the mountain bike side, Shimano has their micro spline system already. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, the, they've already they've already tinkered with the gearing on the mountain bike side. And so yes. my guess is, you know, we, we, we saw with, um, with SRAM kind of took a a similar approach you know they had their xd driver when they went on the mountain bike side to to, you know the the bigger gear range and and all that and then that that turned into xdr when they translated that to the roadside my guess is we'll see something similar from shimano it may even be just yeah we're going to use microspline um and so yeah it does my guess is you know you're going to have to do some sort of upgrade to your free hub body uh, in order to, to, to make this leap to a new system. Yep. Um, again, it's all speculation, but that would really make a lot of sense, uh, given that the technology is already there. Sure. Um, so that would be my my guess. And I, I think you're right. I think we are going to see some sort of wires uh, involved here. I don't think it's going to be a full wireless system. I think Shimano has... Um, a good battery system and it, and it provides good battery life. We've seen that with yes. Di2 for years. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be really a tough sell for them to get rid of something that works so well. Um, but, yeah. you know, and then also it's a differentiation factor. I mean, e E-Tap has those external batteries that you can pop on and off whenever you need to. And yes. um, that's sort of their thing. Um, Shimano is what well, we're about refinement and, you know, battery life and that sort of thing. So I think we might see uh, some wires still exist in the system.
1: Yeah. One thing I'd love about, you know, this could be a favorite of 2020 of you know, wireless communication between Di2 and Garmin is yeah. being able to cycle through the screens while keeping both you know, arms and legs inside the ride at all times. Like mm-hmm. That's a, that's a sweet bit that Shimano already has.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I do. I I'm going to be honest though. I will be a little sad that there are still wires involved, and I think you know we've we've talked about this on other episodes of the podcast. Where you know, man, routing DI two stuff is just can be a nightmare. Um, once it's set up, it's wonderful, but boy, that routing really is 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 a bummer. So hopefully, that has been taken into account with anything that we do see from Shimano that's wireless. Um, what else? What else has been? Uh, really well, let's
1: interesting? let's talk about some of the big big bike stories yeah. that popped up, you know, I'm thinking you know, so, you know, Specialized rolled out its latest iteration of road bicyclery yeah. uh, with the tarmac SL seven, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, there's this constant churn of it's, it's faster, it's lighter, it's more air, it's more comfortable. And it's cycling through whether we're talking about a Venge or a Roubaix or a tarmac. Um, and so where the wheel hit, stopped, at least temporarily in 2020 was out with the Vinge, the aero bike yep. in with the Tarmac SL seven S works, yep. which is uh, from specialized perspective, the, the unicorn, the, the golden child that is cozy and fast and aero and light and all right. of the, all the things. Right. So that was a big story. And I think they largely delivered, you know, mm-hmm. you and I don't happen to have, wind tunnels here in our respective basements or garages, but we've sat through enough presentations from enough companies to, to to, to buy in a bit. And and we certainly both rode the thing and Mm -hmm. I thought the Kool-Aid tasted pretty good. How about you?
0: I, yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's been a while since I've ridden a specialized that wasn't just excellent. Um, But I think it brings up an interesting, um, division in, uh, in road bike design, uh, because hot on the heels of that tarmac SL seven specialized also released the ethos, ethos. I, I was corrected by the way. It's not ethos. It's athos
1: ethos. Ethos. It's a Canadian ethos. bike.
0: Hey, ethos. Um, and, and, you know, I spent a lot more time on the ethos than I did on the, the tarmac, um, for a couple reasons. I mean, one, you know, the tarmac and, and, has, you know, the design philosophy at specialized for a long time has been, you know, fast, 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 fast. fast, fast. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yep. And then with the, with the Athos, they said fast, but also comfortable. And, you know, essentially my wife
1: would say, don't say, but say, and,
0: and, and <laughs> no butts, no butts about it. Um, that I just, I just tangentially got scolded by your wife. <laughs> um, it's instructed. Yeah. Um, but it's it's interesting too, if you put those two bikes side by side, you know the differences are pretty apparent I mean the athos doesn 't have any aerodynamic shaping I mean it has very subtle aerodynamic shaping, but not nearly as much as as something like the s l seven and even the silhouette i mean the Athos has gone back to your more traditional silhouette, whereas the s l seven still has the more modern dropped seat stays mm. and, and that's to me has been sort of a defining moment in bike design this year is that we've we, we talked about it for so long. Oh, the drop seat stays. Everybody's going to the drop, drop seat it like stays. It's hot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was, yeah, that's a dad joke. Cool, cool dad mm-hmm. joke.
1: <laughs> Dropping the seat stays was hot in 2020. It was. It was or am hot. I off the back and then we're on to something else? As soon as I, as soon as I catch up with the trend, yeah. dang it, your yeah, kids well, are on to something
0: else. <laughs> sign up for your TikTok. Where do I want my today? seat
1: stays? Should, should I pull them up to my waist? Should yeah. I have them down low? Where do I wear these things?
0: Yeah. You got high water uh, seat stays. <laughs>
1: Um but I was yeah, the, told it was a more efficient design. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but the ethos did go back to, you know, your more traditional silhouette and, and they're not the only one. I mean, Trek with the Imonda this year, uh, they did not incorporate drop seat stays. And and to be clear, the uh, the drop seat stays they do a couple things. Yeah, it it's uh it's primarily for comfort, um to, to provide some flex in the rear end, and that allows you to really up the aerodynamic touches uh and the tube shapes. Um and so, you know, Trek's argument was, you know, we've refined the tubes enough that it it doesn't provide us enough advantage to drop the seat stays. And dropping those seat stays also means you have to reinforce the carbons, which adds weight. Um, and so, similarly, the Athos is just a feathery, feathery bike. I mean, I forget the exact number. I think it's like 13 pounds that thing weighs. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And uh, so, to me, that was the defining bike of twenty twenty. 2020. Um, and, and as, and just as a note, my, the, the bike I awarded as the road bike of the year, um, also does not have dropped seats days. Um, I don't know if I can tell you what it is. So you might have to just go pick up the magazine. Um, but you know, I think that that great struggle of, of what a road bike is and what it's going to be, uh, sort of had a little bit of an identity crisis in 2020 with everybody sort of Going all the way toward drop seat stays and then sort of swinging back a little bit toward a more traditional uh, silhouette. Uh, Do you have a preference? Like if you were going to go out and buy a bike, would you be like, oh, I need something with drop seat stays? No,
1: I like I I think I would go off what my butt tells me, (laughs) meaning. (laughs) This is a high sense of fact. Uh, How the thing feels. As far as how the bike looks. Regarding high to high seat stay or to low seat stay, I don't care. I do care how the thing feels. Mm-hmm. And uh, different companies can accomplish the comfy goal in different ways. So, for instance, uh, Canyon has what I think is the best seat post, road seat post in the biz mm. uh, that f- feels so soft. I will often check my rear tire thinking it's going soft. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be accomplished with a seat stay all the way up to the seat post collar. Right. Um, if you want to do that with drop stays in a rigid post, fine. I just, I'm not looking be- behind me when I'm riding. I'm looking forwards, but I am, I am feeling the feelings. So.
0: Yes. <laughs> so silhouette doesn't matter so much to you. It's all about, as you said, what your butt is telling you. <laughs> yes. I, we got off to a weird start this year. Uh, you know, you and I took a trip to, uh, Arizona in January. And that was the last time we were able to travel, or I was able to travel anywhere. Uh, and while we were there, we, we rode, um, a very unique gravel bike. Uh, you've spent a lot of time on gravel bikes, a lot more than I have, uh, this year. Uh, is, has gravel finally come into its own? Do we understand the category is the category, what it's going to be moving forward? What are your takeaways from gravel this year?
1: gravel had a big pause put on it. So I don't, I don't know those questions were answered mm. this year. Yeah. Uh, so we, we, didn't have enough opportunity to get out there. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, you know, Betsy Welch and I, uh, did the mid South in mid March, which was just right as the tsunami of the coronavirus was running across the United States. Right. Um, and, uh, that was the last time I pinned on a number until doing the Belgian waffle ride in Utah a few weeks back. Um, so yeah, I did two gravel races this year mm-hmm. and some among us would argue that was two gravel races, too many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so a lot of us were riding by ourselves or in a, in a very small group. Right. Um, so I don't think we, as a culture, got enough gravel racing under our belts to have an, a fresher take sure, on sure. the latest crop designs. Yeah. But yeah, what's, what's, what's fun about gravel is it's, it's still the choose your own adventure thing. Yeah. You know, we, we still bicker about what is gravel. That's not gravel. That's, yeah. uh, <laughs> like if you're racing gravel, like you're doing it wrong, you're yeah. taking it too seriously or. Right. right. Yeah. Some people are like, you know, we certainly enjoyed, um, our calm road trip pinned by the one and only pete stetna yep. you know coming yep. from 10 years of world tour level and his perspective on racing and gear and weight and having fun and mm. so I, yeah, I think that's that's the just the ongoing evolution and experimentation is the that continues to be the coolest thing about gravel sure
0: yeah and it seems like uh we you know we just talked about the pendulum swinging on on seat stays, and we've talked about that that development trend in in mountain bikes with things like fat bikes uh and we sort of saw that swing happen this year too when we you know we went in January to Phoenix to test out uh evil's chamois Hagar, which is a slacked out beast i mean it's just dropper post <laughs> you know slack head tube angle. Uh, and then you it's know, a mountain
1: bike with curved bars on it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a mountain bike having a, an identity crisis, I think. <laughs> um, and then, you know, we, we see, you know, the development of gravel bikes as they happen. And, and it's, it's still, I think it's still hedging toward that more conservative geometry that's more akin to a road or cross bike than it is to a mountain bike. Um, but we are, I mean, 2020 to me was still a continuation of that, that pendulum swinging and seeing where it settles, and like you said, we just didn't have enough gravel or racing or riding to to sort of see uh, the particulars of what that development's going to indicate for the future, except that more brands are coming to grips with the fact that gravel is a thing and it's going to be a thing and for sure uh, and we're going to see more gravel bikes uh, yes, Bianchi just came out with one for example yes
1: um, yeah, I would say if you know there's one word that defined gravel in 2020 it's options yeah you know it's we've we've agreed that n- there's not one perfect tire for anyone it depends on where you live what conditions are where you like to ride but mm-hmm. you got to have options like if you want to be able to go fatter that should be built in yeah. you don't necessarily need to be a bike packing fanatic or want to carry 3 gallons of water but mm-hmm. it's good to have those options so adding some extra bosses on mm-hmm. to the main triangle into the forks that can be covered up discreetly. Yeah. seems like companies have in general, really, yeah, options are a good
0: thing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, and it is that, that sort of segues us into, you know, what I want to talk about next, which is that I, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of outdoor riding to go around, especially early on in the year. Uh, and so we were all starting our years off indoors and, uh, Ben, you're you're sort of a Zwift devotee, I would say.
1: I'm all in. Yeah, I'm all in.
0: I have never seen somebody with such enthusiasm for for painful indoor training sessions. Um, tell me a little bit about your your year riding indoors. Uh, what what changed this year for you uh, in terms of your setup, your gear, uh, since you were spending a lot more time uh, on the trainer and, and doing indoor indoor. Riding, Was there any gear that made that process better for you?
1: So just speaking with Kieran Ronan, a uh, wonderful gentleman up in Portland, Oregon, who's worked for Nike forever, who I met on a Zwift ride, a 200-kilometer Zwift ride last December. Ouch. Uh, you can listen after this podcast, folks. You can jump over to the uh, Bobby and Gus's latest Fizzo podcast where they talk with Kieran. It's interesting. We just had the same conversation <laughs> separately. Uh, <laughs> On December 30th, he is riding 500 kilometers on Zwift. That's oh, Total plus or plus. like in a day?
0: In, in a day. That's awful. That sounds terrible. <laughs>
1: I'm, I'm going to join him. The, oh, I'm going to join him.
0: I this knew is that how, was this coming. Is how, <laughs> this is how deep it's gone. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew it.
1: <laughs> well, Kieran and I were talking about is how Zwift, for many of us, went from being a wintertime thing huh or a poor weather thing yeah. to filling in many of the gaps that we were missing from outside mm-hmm. being it camaraderie, the socialization. Yeah. The challenge, um, uh, yeah. Pushing yourself with friends and strangers, like all these things that we were missing from outside, uh, we were able to do certainly in a different way, but yeah. in a way that scratched that itch. Right. So, you know, I joined a Zwift racing league with my race club and friggin' loved it every yeah. Tuesday night. Like it, even when it was nice out on a Tuesday, I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to r- write at lunch. Cause I've got to save myself for this race. And, oh,
0: you're, you're and, dead to me, Ben. You're dead then to we, me.
1: <laughs> but you know, in a year where a lot of people were uncomfortable seeing each other in person. Yeah. You know, we'd all have our discord video apps up and we're chatting the whole time. i ostensibly about tactics, mostly yeah. smack for one another. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it became a social interactive thing. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a, I'm going to tick off the numbers or look at the, my avatar on a screen. Yeah,
0: yeah. It
1: was a, a human and athletic interaction. Right. So that was, that was the, that was the switch that, sure. that flipped.
0: I, I have a question for you actually, because, you know, you've brought this up a couple of times. Uh, and I, I have used Discord uh, for other things, but not for Zwift. Uh, how do you use Discord or Zwift exactly because I, I guess I'm a little confused, and that since I have it, I would like to try to use it.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, it's the same as uh, you know, Google Meet or uh, Zoom call, or you know, right now you and I are looking at each other on Skype as mm-hmm. we're chatting away. So, same thing, you know, just populate like Hollywood squares.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it's you know, designed as a, a gamer app uh, where you know, multiple people can communicate quickly with low bandwidth. Uh
0: huh, uh huh. And you've and you've said in in past episodes that you know that was one of the, the the big game changers for you with this was you know because it facilitates that social aspect. So uh, would you recommend people take a look at Discord? I mean, is heck that, yeah. Are there yeah. other are there other competitors to Discord? I only know Discord actually. Well, yeah. I mean, you could use you could use
1: Hangouts, mm-hmm. um, but Discord is sort of like the the WhatsApp of of chatting. Like it uh-huh. just it. It's free, and it works super well, and it doesn't hog a lot of uh, your your phones. You can use it on your phone or your computer. Yeah, yeah. Um, it runs light. Mm-hmm. So, so for instance, with this racing league that we just wrapped up, yeah, WTRL did the Zwift Racing League, a 10-week 10, 10 series. It mm-hmm. would alternate between points races and team time trials. Okay. And so for a team time trial, it's all about staying in line, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and communicating when someone's pulling off who's gonna take the next pull. Yeah. And so for that, you, you know, where you're just talking the entire time as people are in various states of distress <laughs> about where to slot in and so it's it's a it's a team effort, right? Yeah. So it's not just you're sitting there with your stopwatch,
0: yeah,
1: you know, counting down an interval and where twenty seconds feels like twenty hours.
0: Yeah, right, right. Which to me is every so, trainer session, to be honest.
1: <laughs> right. And that's if, – if, if you just reduce it to work, yeah. it's like doing push-ups. And yeah. why would you do that? Right. But when you make it a game, an, an interactive game, yeah, it's a game. And that's like – that's uh, for me, that's always been a big part of the attraction of riding bikes mm-hmm. is it's, it's not just pure exercise. Mm-hmm. Exercise is certainly a, a primary component, but there, it's play and it's interactive. So. Sure,
0: sure. So beyond discord now, I know you've, you've, like I said, you've mentioned that before as one of your, you know, gear of 2020 choices. Um, let's talk about our favorite pieces of gear that we had had this year. Um, Yeah. What did you love, man? I, you know, (laughs) God, I hate to, I, the I really love that specialized ethos. Uh, it is a ridiculous bicycle. It is like (laughs) $13,000. Um, but I, I really do enjoy the return to sort of the traditional silhouette, uh, light, lithe, fun to ride, beautiful paint. Um, if I was a man of means and not just a lowly bicycle journalist, I would plunk down the cash for one. Um, just gorgeous. I mean, that, that bike has really, I liked it a lot more than I wanted to like it. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Um, but I would, I would definitely call that one of my favorites of the year. Uh, you know, and that's I'm I'm very privileged. I get to ride all of these beautiful pieces of 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 engineering. Uh, but there were plenty of other things that were smaller than than this thirteen thousand dollar bike that you know made my life uh a lot easier. And and here's here's one that I also didn't think was gonna make my list this year. Uh, Head Headsweats uh sent me some of their their masks. <laughs> <laughs> and you know oh, the masks, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. The, I'm curious what you thought was I was like, gonna say.
1: I was like, Where are you going with this? Yeah. yeah. Uh
0: Head Sweat sent me one of their, their masks, uh two of them actually. And they're you know, their bicycle prints on the on the face. But really what I like about them was that they were comfortable and I could breathe through them. And so to me I struggled early on with the pandemic being able to breathe uh while I was riding with a mask on. Um and and this is these have become my go-tos. So, you know, if, if we talk about indispensable gear of 2020, the, the head sweats, uh, uh, masks that were sent my way were, were definitely my favorite pieces of gear. Yeah. Cool. What, what about you? Let's, let's hear one from you.
1: Yeah. Uh, pandanas. Yeah. You know, which is, you know, net gator, like a, a buff type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, pandanas a local brand here in Boulder. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of us had net gators for wintertime riding already. Um, so I ended up you know, riding outside with those straight through the year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I bought a, uh, a couple five packs of masks from LEL, a company out in California, printed masks that my family uses all the time for being outside. And, yeah, those are cool and work pretty well. But uh, I just found the pandana, the gator-style thing to be easier to, you know, pull up and down because usually I'd, like, you know, pull it up over my face for riding Bike pass and congested areas, and then get out by myself.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Just drop it around my neck, where it's a a mask. You, you can either do the chin diaper thing, or pull the thing off and try to get back on. If you're wearing gloves,
0: it's just <laughs> chin diaper. <laughs> yes,
1: the chin diaper. Uh, you, uh, I like that. Uh, Google
0: Google, that.
1: Google the, uh, South Park chin diaper chin episode. Diaper.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a new one for me. I like uh, there's, that.
1: Two, there's one character who's talking. You know, he's got a, the mask pulled down, and listener, sorry, I'm pantomiming this for Dan's benefit (laughs) on video. Instead of having the mask on the face, he's wearing it around the chin the way many of us do. And as a delivery driver goes to make a delivery, and the person receiving the delivery doesn't have a mask. And he's like, excuse me, sir, would you mind getting um, your chin diaper? And so he runs back inside and puts on a (laughs) mask and puts it around his chin and comes back out. He's like, oh, sorry about that. Oh, that's fine.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Proceed to have a conversation (laughs) with chin diapers on. Which is how those masks. So, yes, Pandana. Uh Year of 2020. Yeah.
0: Um I I have another one uh so I had tested Roca's uh CP uh glasses I think in 2019 and I you know I had sort of been inundated with sunglasses at the time uh and so I sort of, I tested them they were pretty good uh, I wrote a review about them And then I put them aside to test any number of other glasses. Uh, And what I found this year was that I was reaching for these more than any others. Uh, So I'm pretty impressed with Roka's CP. uh, I think they're like the CP1X or something like that. Uh, Why? um, That's the thing. Okay, so (laughs) why did I keep... So first of all, I have the white one, the white frames with the blue lens, and uh, they just look good with everything. Uh, they fit well with everything. Like they don't interfere with any of my helmets. Uh, and they have, uh, you know, adjustable enough adjustment that I could really just lock them into my face. Um, and you know, Roka talks a lot about these, uh, I think it's called a gecko, um, pads or like nose piece and ear piece that Mm -hmm. they have, uh, that's, you know, supposed to, keep the, the glasses, uh, you know, perfectly stuck to your face, even when you're sweating. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody says that, but these actually do. <laughs> um, so I was pretty impressed with those and I had tested their others, the matadors, and those are a little bit more outlandish, uh, visually, um, and they fit just as well, but I, I like the, the look of the, the CP ones better. Uh, so Roca, yeah, pretty impressive this year. And I, I find myself wearing them a lot. So yeah, shout out to them. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, any what other? What else you got, Ben? Any other favorites?
1: Well, one of the things I put, you know, we're doing our 10 favorite pieces of gear uh, stories on Villanews.com. And, you yeah. know, I was just looking around my garage the way we do this time of year. Okay, what did I actually use a yeah. lot? Like that was the coolest bits and the shiniest bits. Mm-hmm. Um, the Abby Crombie tool.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that tool. D-
1: deserves exalted praise. Yes. It's it's simple in design, just takes two, what used to be two things with mm-hmm. moving parts of a nut and a crescent wrench and makes it into one elegant solution.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: so f- as uh, people like you and I are constantly swapping rotors and cassettes from wheels or in, often this year, smart trainers, right? Uh, just having one tool instead of two tools to fiddle with. Yeah. That was a win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd highly recommend people check that out. If, um, and then uh workstand. Mm. Yeah, you know, we've tested a number of different work stands, and there's a lot of great options out there, a lot of expensive options out there. Um often we test stuff and then we'll pass them on, donate them to charity. This things that we use a lot to keep around. So one thing I've had bolted to at first a, a workbench and now the ceiling is an ultimate workstand, which Feedback Sports bought years and years and years ago. So this thing's, I don't know, at least 12 years old at this oh, point.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and just has a nice quick release.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like you twist it to tighten on the seat post, uh, quick spin and you get a quick release. Just works super well. And by having it up uh, off the floor, much like that, Abby Crombie tool, which just minimizes uh, space and hassle mm-hmm. and time, and it's, it has become an old favorite of mine.
0: Nice, yeah. I have a I have a vast collection of work stands in my garage. <laughs> it's a, another embarrassment. But which one, one, one
1: do you actually use, though?
0: <clears throat> Most well, so I I plunked down some cash right before I got hired at Villanuz, actually, uh, for the the Park Tool professional shop work stand with the you know the steel yeah, the base. Big base. Yes. Yeah. And I I use that obviously more than any of those. But I also have um Unior uh professional work stand, which also has a steel base, but it's also it's a lighter uh setup and so I can move it around a little bit more easily. Uh it also has a yeah. really nice clamp that I like. Uh so Unior has been pretty impressive uh for for that regard. For for uh, setting up outside, you know, or, like, at the trailhead or something like that, I actually have two that I really like. One is a, a wrench force stand that I've had, I don't know, 20 years. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it weighs a ton and does not fold up compact at all. <laughs> um, uh-huh. But but I also got a – I have a park tool uh, foldable stand that – park made significant improvements to this work stand this year and and that's been that's been a go to for me so uh yeah i am kind of a junkie when it comes to tools and workstands so i have a i have a good array of them <laughs> um i got one more and then we'll wrap it up here sure uh i have in twenty twenty i have become a convert to uh tire liners inserts uh i i have been using them on my mountain bikes uh, for, for a while. But, uh, this year I, I started using Cush core in my gravel tires. Uh, Bobby
1: Julek was going to be very interested about this. He was just texting me like, just to, to, to line or a li- lot, not to line. I was yeah. like, I don't know, man, Dan loves them. i <laughs> I can tell you the benefits, but I've never tried them. Yeah. I, so I extol the virtues. I yeah. quite
0: like them. So first of all, you know, it, it, it does change. The nice thing is, you know, you, you could run them flat and you can still roll along on them. Uh, and <laughs> strangely, I have done that and without knowing it. Uh, and so, you know, it definitely adds that sort of uh, insurance and durability, but also it changes sort of the handling characteristics uh, of the, the tire. Uh, you could. It, the, it's not
1: so squirmy at low pressure.
0: Yeah. And so it kind of gives a little bit of reinforcement to your sidewall. Um, so you could run those lower pressures and still get s- some of that cornering stability that you sacrifice uh, you know, with that, to the, to that squish when you run those low pressures. So it's kind of been, it's a, it's a win-win. Um,
1: what kind of weight penalty are we paying here?
0: Uh, you know, it isn't, these, they're foam inserts. So it's not like you're adding a brick or anything to your bike, but it is extra weight. Uh, is that worth it to you? If you're on the race course, maybe, maybe not. I mean, there's so many other considerations there for me. The big benefit is the handling, uh, and the ability to run those lower pressures with with more cornering stability, so I'm willing to take that weight penalty. Mm. Um, to me, one of the the dis- disadvantages is the installation process is a little bit tough. Um, it, it does take a little bit of wrestling to get the the liner installed with the tire over it. But uh, it's worth mentioning that Vittoria. Uh, has some liners that are also the airliners that are that do sort of the same thing but are way easier to install. Uh, I haven't run those ones yet in my gravel bike. Uh I've run them on my mountain bike. And you know, I think I think on the mountain bike they worked quite well. Uh so I've been pretty happy with both Cushcore and Vittoria's offerings. Mm-hmm. Uh so I yeah, call, count me count me as a convert. Uh, can I live without them? Yeah, I could, I, but I, but I think I like the combination of, uh, handling characteristics that it allows me to take advantage of and, and sort of the peace of mind of being able to run my tires flat. Yes. Uh, if I need to.
1: Yes. And and to that point, it you know, sort of brings us back to our chat about tubeless. Yeah. And that in my mind, tubeless is better until it's not, which is when you have to, when you've got a tear that's big enough that you've got to boot it and then tube it. hmm.
0: hmm.
1: If, if the insert is plan B yeah even especially in a race situation mm-hmm. continuing to pedal is always going to be faster than pulling over to the side of the trail and monkeying around right, right. so
0: yeah and i think that these liners to me make make changing a tu- you know or installing a tube that becomes plan C you know so Obviously, Plan A is run your tires the way they're supposed to be ridden. Plan B is, oh no, I've I got a slow leak, but I can still pedal and I can still I still have plenty of support in the yes. tire. Yes. Um, and I think you could run. I mean, you could run these liners for something some ridiculous amount of miles, completely flat. Um, so you know. They, so what does that
1: feel like? So say I'm on a gravel tire. I'm on a 40 mil tire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Through, yeah. Tear you know, rip a hole in the sidewall. Mm-hmm. Air is gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah, does it
1: feel like I've got two PSI and there's just rubber on the rim or does it feel like I've got 20 pounds of pressure in there? What is-
0: I would say it's somewhere in between that. Uh, to me, it feels like, you know, you got about 10 to 12 PSI in there. And it's, it's interesting because there's been days where I've gotten back from a ride and been like, oh man, my, my tire has been flat. I wonder how long it's been flat. I didn't even notice. But then there's other times where you're like, oh man, I just hit rim. I must have a flat. And you look back and yeah, you're just rolling on that that liner and so it's it feels you can sort of tell that your your tire is softer for sure uh, but it definitely feels more supportive than like oh i just blew my tire and most of the air is gone i've got like five psi left um, so to me again it's not it's not ideal to be running it flat but you certainly can uh, so i think i like that as like i said sort of plan b and then plan c is ripping the thing off to to change change out your tube uh, sure. Anything else before we wrap it up, Ben, for 2020? Or we have we've well, I guess,
1: yeah, a couple of quick quick lists from my best gear of you yeah. know we gave the Trek Checkpoint 105 our bike of the year in our awards issue, yeah, and uh, because that hit that checked that checkpoint checked a lot of the boxes of versatility, comfort, and a good price point mm-hmm. you know it's in in the bike world as you illustrated with your specialized pick you can get some pretty sweet gear for a pretty penny mm-hmm. um but uh, in my humble opinion trek did the best job uh, this year offering all the all the good things including a great price so yeah kudos there
0: yeah and i agree. also I will agree with that and say that I, I have the checkpoint SL seven, which is the high version of that. Uh, and definitely one of my, my favorite bikes, uh, of the year. Sorry. So Go. Yep. No, that's it. Yeah. That's it.
1: See so yeah. it. Yeah. Right outside, right inside. Bikes were a savior for me this year as they have been in the past. It just, uh, looked a little bit different.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and so as we wrap up 2020, uh, I put it to you, our listeners, uh, I would love to hear what you guys, uh, felt were your favorite bits of gear, uh, this year, whether you were riding indoors or outdoors. Uh, so feel free to reach out to me. You can reach me at dcavaleri at com. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Brown tie Dan. Ben, where can the people find you?
1: On Zwift, baby.
0: <laughs> Pedaling yeah. away indoors. Yeah, you can
1: look. You can look me up on Zwift. Uh, I'm Ben Delaney there, and uh, Twitter is Ben-Delaney.
0: And uh, to all of you listening, thank you so much for listening to us babble on and on about gear uh, in 2020. <laughs> it's been a privilege to dork out over derailers and chains with you all. Uh, and Ben, thank you for uh, for being my uh, my partner in crime with all those, those gear dorkery talks
1: absolutely it's been a pleasure happy holidays and happy new year everybody
0: and uh, we'll see you all in 2021